0: Good morning, good morning, South Shore. Um, it's a privilege to be able to come here today and to share with you um, what God's put on my heart uh, through the, the passage uh, this morning in Acts 3. I want to just pray to start. Lord, thank you for meeting with us always. Whenever we come to you, you meet with us, you speak to us, you comfort us. And I just pray, Lord, today as uh, as I share what you've given me to share, I pray, Lord, that um, you would meet with those of us that are listening today, um, that you would encounter us in a powerful way. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Tommy Hogan, uh, and I've been part of South Shore for... 20 or so years now, um, took a little hiatus for, for a few years. Um, but then have been back recently and, and it's just a great honor and privilege to be able to share with you from, from time to time. But for those of you that know me, you know that my life isn't perfect by any stretch. I'm pretty candid about my shortcomings of which I have a lot. Um, I've failed at many things. I've been rejected and have experienced significant heartache and loss in my life. I often feel overwhelmed. I suffer with stress from some, sometimes and that have led to painful migraines. And sometimes I get depressed. I have a therapist that I check in with from time to time to help process through things. Some days are tough to get through. Some seasons are tough to get through. And why am I telling you this? Why am I sharing this with you? Because without Jesus, my life is a mess. I can't imagine what my life would be like without him. And because of him, in spite of everything that I've just said, I stand here today completely whole because of God. My life is full of Of God's grace. Honestly, at every turn in my life, God has been there to meet with me. In every valley, in every disappointment, in every failure, he's been there and has comforted me. It's not always instant. Sometimes it is, and that's awesome when that happens. I've had encounters with God, lots of them throughout my life. I've experienced his emotional Spiritual and physical healing in my life. There was a time pretty much through my whole, all through my 20s, I suffered with significant back pain. I actually had back surgery when I was 24 years old. And since 2012, I've been pain free in my back. God completely healed my back, my lower back. I'm so unbelievably grateful for Him that I was able to connect with him at such an early age. He's made all the difference in my life. There's this song, you may have heard it by Bethel Music. It's called Goodness of God. It's been my theme song this past year. I heard it and I just, oh man, I just connected with it so deeply through all the trials and the blessings that I've experienced in my life. This has been kind of a theme song for me this last year, and I'll just read you the first few sentences. It says, I love you, Lord. Your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. God's goodness and love have no boundaries. I know this because I've been the recipient and I've been part of being used by God to share His goodness with others. There's nothing quite like experiencing and seeing someone impacted by God's goodness. So, I want to share with you today a story of a powerful encounter that someone had with God. God displayed His goodness and gave him, this man quite a gift. One act, one encounter that completely changed the course of his life forever. And the story comes out of Acts 3. And I was supposed to preach on this in March. But things changed in March, March 15th. It was 17 weeks ago. And so I've re-prepared for this same talk. Adam asked me to speak again on Acts 3. And I've re-prepared this talk. And I got something much bigger this time. Than healing, something that goes beyond healing. It is a story of healing, but there's something else that stood out to me, and I want to share that with you today. We're still going to pray for physical healing uh, at the end, um, but I wanted to share this with you today, and so we're going to read it in a moment, <laughs> but for those of you that may be familiar with the story, uh, may not be familiar with the story, I just want to set it up quickly. It's an incredible encounter of God's love for a man who was crippled and only means of support was to beg. He was brought to the same place every day by his friends to beg. And this man had an unusual experience, an experience that he wasn't asking for or expecting and I'm sure he thought perhaps was not even possible. He encountered Jesus in a powerful way What happened is he crossed paths with a couple of guys that had just been filled with God's spirit. And when that happens, look out.
1: Hi, my name is Jason and I'll be reading Acts chapter three. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Peter speaks to onlookers. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him up from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man, whom you see and know, was made strong It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs to the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways.
0: So I think initially, and rightly so, this passage, when taught, often focuses on the physical healing, which is one manifestation of God's power through his Holy Spirit, displayed by faith on behalf of an individual that carries the presence of God. It's incredible. But I'd like to suggest that there's a lot more going on here, a bigger lesson that goes beyond just the healing. But first, let's talk about what happened. This poor and crippled beggar asks for money, for alms, for mercy, so that he can survive. And what he gets is a total and complete life change, a radical transformation, a new identity. And as you can probably imagine, he's lived, likely lived a pretty rough life. We don't know much about him other than the fact that he was born crippled, and that he had some loving friends that would bring him to this spot every day. So probably staring at the ground, this man asks for money from Peter and John. And they say, look at us. Probably he's full of shame. He had lost hope somewhere along the way. I don't know exactly what this man was feeling, if he was feeling anything at all. We just know that he wasn't looking at them when he asked for money. And the next time you're in a place where there's a lot of or they're homeless people that are asking you for money, if they look at you in the eyes when they ask, they haven't lost everything yet. But when they can't make eye contact, they've probably lost more than just a home or a job. They've lost their dignity, any sense of self-worth that they may have once had. So think of it, this cripple man likely had heard of Jesus, I'm sure he did, probably heard of his miracles, They were alive at the same time. But Jesus didn't heal every sick person on earth while he was here. He healed everyone that he wanted to, but he couldn't be in two places at once. And this man perhaps had hoped and wished that maybe Jesus would come by and touch him. But now Jesus was gone, right? That's what he thought. He probably heard that he had died. And with that, any hope for a miracle had died with him also. All he could hope for now was the charity of some people so that he could eat his next meal. So with compassion and probably some anticipation, Peter says to this man, and I'm paraphrasing, brother, look at us. I see you. We see you. God sees you, and listen, sorry, we don't have any money, but what I do have, I give you. What I do have, I give you. Peter doesn't say anything more, just takes him by the hand and pulls him up. What an incredible act of faith. This man's feet and ankles miraculously become strong, and he starts walking around and jumping. Can you imagine Peter and John were just walking to church. And then they see a person in need of a touch from God and boldly do something about it. When the thought crosses their mind, maybe God told them they heard something. Maybe with spiritual eyes, there was like a spotlight shining down on this man. I don't know. But they listened and were willing to do what God was telling them to do. And when we listen. And when we're obedient to his promptings, God will show us more and more, and we will see more and more of the miraculous. We will see more and more of God's power in our lives. Peter says, what I have, I give you. And we know what he has. Jesus, the spirit of God and all the power that comes with it residing in him. And he has one other thing that's crucial and necessary. He has faith, faith that God is going to do something in this moment. You see, Peter and John carry God with them wherever they go. And to this day, all followers of Jesus carry his presence and his presence is meant to be experienced and shared. Jesus says these amazing words in John 14. Jesus says, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And he says this, you may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is our assignment. This is what we were meant to do, to be carriers of God's presence, to bring him with with us wherever we go. This gives us purpose and mission. This is taking what we have and sharing it with others. He says, what I have, I give you. I want to share a story that I heard recently in a message by Chris Valatin. He's one of the pastors at, at Bethel uh, Church out in Redding, California. And he has this incredible story of him and his wife in early in their ministry where they were uh, at an event in Washington, D.C., and it was a very formal event, and people were wearing tuxes and gowns. And they were there, and they were talking with this particular couple from another country, and they had, uh, English was not their first language. And so they're having this conversation, and and Chris has this, um, he's got these spiritual eyes. His story is powerful from the beginning when he first encountered God in his ministry. But he's talking with this couple, him and his wife, and with spiritual eyes, he looks at this this wife, uh, this woman who was in her mid-30s, she's wearing this gown, and he sees a sword sticking out of her stomach. Again, this is with his spiritual eyes. He sees a sword sticking out of her stomach, and he thinks to himself, "Oh, he knows he knows what 's going on and he 's thinking, "Oh Lord, not not now, not here uh, this isn 't the best environment yet God gives him this picture and so he kind of thinks about it for a moment, and God says to him, "I want you to pull that sword out of her stomach and he 's like, "Oh, come on, everybody's all dressed up, everybody 's fancy here." So being being the obedient servant and having had seen God do the miraculous so many times before, he says, okay, and he leans over to the husband and he says, there's a sword sticking out of your wife's stomach. (laughs) I love how direct he is. For me, I would have tried to set up the scene and say something like, well, I don't know if you believe in in God or spiritual things, and I would have kind of painted this big picture, but he just leans over and says, there's a sword in your wife's stomach. And the guy's like, huh, what um, sword? Like he does it, he's not quite getting it. And he's like, okay, he's realized he's not getting through his um, to this guy. But he was trying to kind of in some ways ask for permission. He goes, okay. And he goes over to the woman and he says, there's a sword in your stomach. And she looks at him and her eyes fill up immediately. She knew exactly what was going on. And she said to him, She says, I've had this pain in my stomach that has been here for years, and I've traveled the world looking for a cure for this. What do you mean there's a sword in there? Because what I feel feels like a sword, this pain. He says, can I take it? Chris says to her, can I take it out? And she says yes. So he symbolically reaches over, and he pulls this sword out of her stomach, and she immediately falls to the ground. And again, he's like, oh, Lord, no, not here. Not in this place, not in this environment. Come on, I've seen people down for sometimes hours. He's like, let this please not be one of those times. She was down on the ground. Her husband's like, ah, what am I gonna do? I gotta call 911. And he's like, no, 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 like, let's not. She's like, Lord, Lord, come on, come on, Lord. And after a few minutes before the paramedics came, she comes to and she looks up and she's crying. And she says, the pain is gone. I don't know what you did, but the pain is completely gone. And so they stand up, give them a hug, and then they go and they have dinner. And then they go later that night into the elevator. Now all these people had seen what what was happening. And he's in the elevator, and there's probably ten or twelve people in there. And he, and there were people like, "Hey, you're, you're the sword guy. You're the sword. You're the sword guy. Hey, I've had this pain in my neck. Do you see any swords here? Like, I've had this pain in my back. Do you see any swords over here?" And the whole conference, that whole weekend, he was praying for people, and people were getting set free. This powerful encounter of seeing something, getting the prompting from God, and doing something, and having Uh, Having the opportunity to see life change and for for someone, for this woman to have freedom from this pain that she was experiencing. A powerful story that, yes, takes some courage and some boldness to act out this kind of faith. But I do think that after a while, it's simply just a natural response to our faith. And if we're obedient and we listen, we will see things and hear things and be prompted by God to see the miraculous. Peter and John believed that with the power of Jesus residing in them, they could do anything he asked them to do. Faith is the key. Jesus said this often in his ministry when he was healing people. Faith is believing God will do what he says he will do. Faith is believing that God will do what he says he will do. I did a teaching last fall about faith, and I just want to remind you of something that I I learned then and I had shared, that faith is a gift from God. It is not something that we can muster up and get more of. Faith is in us, is in you as someone who has received and said yes to God. But I just need more faith. You have all the faith you need because the spirit of God resides in you. You just need to recognize it's there and access it. But faith doesn't come from us. It comes from God. So sometimes, like me, maybe you, you look at Peter and John and you say, I could never have faith like that. Or someone like Chris Valentin, I could never have that kind of faith. They thought that too, Not too long before this encounter happened, right? So what happened? God breathed on them. God's spirit filled them and it changed them. And in a few minutes, we're going to pray for a fresh filling for all of us. But verse 16 says, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see, Was now made, um, you see and know, was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Can you imagine if all of us acted on the promptings that we get from God? People are waiting for encounters like that beggar, and they don't even know it. It could be physical healing like the beggar. It could be simply a word of encouragement. It could be a gift to someone in need. It could be a word of correction that someone needs to hear who may be going down a wrong path and needs someone like you to remind them of what God is saying to them. It could be a word of knowledge. Sometimes God gives you insight into someone's situation that only God knows, and you could pray for them or you could encourage them. Or maybe it's a picture like Chris Valentin saw, saw an image and did this powerful, incredible act. It could be an invitation to hang out or go to coffee or to go to lunch or to invite someone you know to church or to your home. So speaking of invitation, just a side note, Paul mentioned it earlier, Adam mentioned it last week. I wanna share um, just a quick thought on Sunday morning circles. Hopefully, you're at one right now. As things continue to slowly open up, we want to encourage you to connect with people in your circles, people you know from your neighborhood, from work, your friend group, family members, people from church, it doesn't matter. Please take some time and think about the circles that you're connected to. We want you to think about getting together with them on Sunday mornings at your home or at the home of someone you know. See, in order to give what you have, it's helpful to actually be with people. So we encourage you, follow the rules, social distance, keep it under 10 people, but it's in these small circles where encounters can happen, where you can listen to what God is doing and take a leap of faith and offer it to them. If you need help figuring out what circles looks like for you, let us know. Contact the church office and we can help you get connected. So, I want to pray. And in no way do I want to try and manufacture anything here. I just want to make space for God to move. This is an interesting time. I'm here, you're there, but we are all connected. And God has no limits and no bounds. Jesus, in fact, healed many people where he wasn't even present with them. So, if you want to see God's power in your life. You need to first experience who he is for yourself. So I want to pray for two things before we pray for healing. I want to pray one, I want to pray for you to have the opportunity to receive Jesus. Lord, if there are any of my friends that are listening right now, that are listening to me and saying, what is it like to have God speak to you What is it like to have God prompt you to do something? What is it like to be filled and to experience his love in this way that Tommy's talking about? You need to first experience God and say yes to him. So if you are someone that has not said yes to Jesus, here's an opportunity to do it right now. Simply say, God, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for forgiving my sins. I confess my sins to you. Thank you for wiping them away so that I can have a relationship with you that's meaningful, that's impactful, that makes a difference, not just in my life, but in the life of those around me. And I promise you, if you prayed that prayer, you will make an impact in the lives of the people around you. So I pray you made that prayer this morning, or you said that prayer. If you did, comment in the, in the section next to where I'm speaking. I think if I'm here, it's down in this region over here. So make a comment. Say, I received Jesus today. Now I want to pray for those of you to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And I'm looking around in this room, and I see people here. So this is my circle right now. You can't see them. You can see Luke. I'm praying for us I want you to pray for the people in your circle right now, for your friends that are with you, for your children, for your spouse. Pray with me. Lord, (laughs) fill us. Fill us with your spirit, God. We need a fresh encounter from you today, in this moment, sitting on your couch, on your porch, on a lawn chair, on a blanket on the lawn, wherever you are, God, I pray you would fill my friends. In fact, if you want God to fill you, I just encourage you to open your hands, open your palms up as a a visual, a visible way to say, Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. Now I just want to let God do whatever he wants to do. I want to pray for healing for you, but there as in the encounter, uh, uh, or is that I was just sharing? God, what I have, I give you. So I want you to think about, and I'm going to take a moment. We're going to take a moment and just be quiet for a short moment here. And I just want you to just think about, God, what are you doing? right now in this moment? What are you up to? Is there healing? Is there someone that needs a word of encouragement? Is there someone that needs a gift? Is there someone that needs an invitation? I pray God would speak that to you in this moment.